0: We welcome you to a new study today here on the Radio Bible Course. It's Paul's letter to the church in Thessalonica, and we invite you to join us here each day on the Radio Bible Course broadcast and invite your friends to listen to this new study. Our purpose, of course, is to give you more understanding of this inspired epistle written by the Apostle Paul. Now, there are two Thessalonian epistles. Scholars give the date of writing of 1 Thessalonians at 50 or 51 AD. This is likely the earliest of the New Testament epistles, and it was written about the same time as the epistle to the Galatians. Paul's second letter to the Thessalonians was written about six months after the first one, and both of them were written from Corinth. The Thessalonian epistles were written to people who had not been Christians very long. This is of some comfort to those who know little about the Bible. And Thessalonians, for them, is a good place to start one's study because these letters convey some of the fervent faith, the obstacles, and the exciting hope of these early Christian believers in Jesus Christ. These epistles are no less important today than they were in about 50 A.D. when they were written. I'm of the opinion that if new Christians were taught these epistles, as I plan to teach them, the church today would be far different in respect to the ministry of its believers. It would be also different in its attitude toward the Bible, its purity, and the zeal generated by the thought of Christ's return. These epistles can be used as a measure of your church. Observe if the majority of members in your church are like the Thessalonian believers. Now, we're going to encounter a variety of teachings in these letters. However, Paul writes to emphasize two major topics, which apparently were problems in this church. The first one was in regard to the coming of Jesus Christ. And the second, the need for every Christian to support himself, regardless of one's desire to do service for God. Regarding the coming of Christ, the Thessalonian epistle uses the Greek word parousia, but there are two other words used in the Bible for this event also, and we need to be familiar with the words that best express the return of Jesus Christ. One of the Greek words, which is quite familiar to us, is used for the return of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. And it means revelation. It's apokaluxis, from which we get the Greek word apocalypse. And it's the name given in some Bibles for the last book of the New Testament. Another Greek word which speaks of Christ appearing is epiphaneia. And we know it as Epiphany. It's the church festival commemorating the coming of the wise men at the birth of Jesus. This represented the first manifestation of Christ to the Gentiles. Now, the word that Thessalonians uses is parousia, and it can mean coming or presence. In Thessalonians, it speaks of Christ coming for his saints. The Greeks used this word when referring to the coming visit of an important person. It was the word commonly used when speaking of a royal visit. The New Testament, of course, tells of his coming to rule on the earth as the king. That's a theme of the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's the theme of the Old Testament prophets and also the book of Revelation. As you may know, the children of Israel for a long time were looking for a king. He would be a savior king, and the son of David, because God had promised in the Old Testament about 1,000 years before Jesus was born that one of David's sons would be exalted by God, and he would rule on his throne, and his kingdom would be forever. Now, that could not have referred to Solomon because his kingdom was not forever. Israel waited a thousand years before God in the fullness of time sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem them that were under the law. He came to the people of the law to be their king. And John the Baptist, when he first appeared on the scene, announced, Repent! for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. One can hardly have a kingdom without a king. But the king had arrived, and Jesus himself proclaimed that same message as John the Baptist when he first preached in Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is a theme of the gospel of Matthew. And in Matthew chapter 10, we find Jesus sending the 12 apostles out with the same message. He said, don't go to any cities of the Gentiles or of the Samaritans. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This message was called the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, because gospel means good news. And this was good news about the long-awaited king sent by God to deliver those people from their enemies. He would come and rule. He would have more than the wisdom of Solomon. And he would rule not only Israel, but the entire world. That promise first came to the Virgin Mary when the angel Gabriel announced that she would conceive and bring forth a son, and that his name would be called Jesus. The angel told her that he would be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. But then he added three specific promises regarding the kingdom. The angel said, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he'll rule over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. Both the Bible and history tell us that the king did come, but the king never ruled. Now, Paul's use of the word parousia for appearing in 1 Thessalonians is not concerned with Christ coming to the earth to rule. Instead, his focus is on Christ coming to take believers into the presence of their heavenly Father. In regard to the coming of Christ, there are five references to that great event. At the end of each of the five chapters in this first epistle to the Thessalonians, you'll read about the coming of Jesus Christ. Now, while that is interesting, and is a reminder as we go through this epistle that Paul has in mind the coming of Jesus Christ foremost here in this epistle, this fact, is not very significant for this reason. Paul's letters, like the other Bible books, were written without chapters and verses. It was not until the 9th century A.D. that Jewish scholars known as the Masoretes divided the Old Testament writings into verses. The Old Testament chapter divisions came about in the 13th century. Two religious leaders, Spanish Cardinal Hugo and British Archbishop Langton, are credited with that task. Now, in regard to the New Testament, the division into verses was the work of Robert Stevens. He introduced verse numbers into his Greek and Latin New Testament, published in Geneva in 1551 the whole Bible, as it is today in English with chapters and verses, first appeared in 1560. It was known as the Geneva Bible. Well, of course, the original King James version of the Bible, published in 1611, incorporated chapters and verses. But most people don't know that the King James version also included the Apocrypha, those 16 books of uncertain origin or authenticity. The Jews never accepted those apocryphal books, nor did Jesus ever refer to them or quote from them, nor do any of the apostles refer to the apocryphal books. So Bibles today, that is, Bibles used in Protestant churches, do not include, for the most part, the apocryphal books. And about 18 years after the first publication of the King James Version, the publishers began to omit those apocryphal books. However, the British and Foreign Bible Society kept the apocrypha in its versions until 1826. Well now, the second major topic in First Thessalonians, which was needed then and is needed today, is the necessity for every Christian to be supporting himself. Paul will have much to say about this subject in both of his letters. The need for this today is seen in the commonly held view that if one is to serve the Lord, he should not be employed except by Christians. And we have invented such terms as being in the Lord's work and full-time service. You won't find those expressions in the Bible in regard to ministry. Now Paul sets the example and has strong words for those believers who chose to live off of other believers. They were parasites. And apparently... It was such a great problem that the Thessalonians got word to the Apostle Paul about it, and he focuses on this subject so he can correct it. Now, it is commonly held by most commentators that the reason some of those Thessalonians gave up working was that they expected the soon return of Jesus Christ. But I do not believe the text of the New Testament supports this. Paul could easily have corrected this error by a direct statement if that were the reason for the problem. He instead gives other reasons for working, which we shall see as we go through the text. Now, the fact that Paul seems to have found employment immediately in Thessalonica suggests to some scholars that he intended to stay, or did stay, a long time. But even a short stay in this city for perhaps a month might necessitate working, since he was not financed by anyone. We need to understand, and we often forget, that Paul never depended upon anyone else to conduct his ministry. He went in faith in Jesus Christ, and wherever he went, he found work so that he could support himself and not be responsible to other people. His responsibility was to his one master, Jesus Christ. Are you aware that nothing changed when Jesus was born? He was born of a woman, born under the law. Jesus, our Lord, lived under that law. However, when he died on the cross for the sins of all people, everything changed. He became the mediator of the new covenant and he became our high priest although we didn't qualify under the old testament to be a priest he gave us a new law the law of love the significance of this divine change is thoroughly explained in our cassette tape course called understanding the new testament write for information to the radio bible course Until tomorrow, this is Nick Televoda reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.org.